what doesn't help is that is this, we live in a society where we as women we are told to feel that we're not good enough in every way shape or form we are conditioned to believe that we we are not good enough and it wasn't until i stopped listening to that and now i actually rebel against that it's not until you rebel against that and think it's my turn i am good enough and i'm going to go for it that actually life becomes up level doesn't it mhm mhm yeah and, and and ultimately that's what i want for all my clients for every woman out there i want you to know that you are good enough and it is your time so if you've got dreams and if you've got ambitions go for it welcome to gladiatrix I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sharma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world. But since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, If you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. You can reach me on Instagram at Malini Sharma, on my website malinisharma.com or on Facebook at Malini Sharma. M A L I N I S A R M A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Liancia. Lian was born and raised in the UK and worked in the construction industry. even though she was very good at her job she had the salary and the title there was something that let her feel unfulfilled she loved talking to people and asking them questions and finally after 7 years of dreaming about it right in the middle of the pandemic lian decided to become a full-time coach today lian is a hype coach for mums on a mission to help stressed out mums get out of survival mode so that they can thrive. She helps mums all over the world to feel amazing about themselves by guiding them to turn the volume down on their inner critic, cultivate self-love and find what makes them feel alive. And this is her story. Hello Lian, hello hello and thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so excited to hear your story and share it with the rest of the world. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm so thrilled to be here. I know and this is your first podcast ever. So may this be many of, you know, first of many. So uh I'm very very excited that you're you're one of my um uh, first guests from the UK. Yay! Um so you were born in the UK, but you've lived outside. So tell me a little bit more about your experience growing up. So I was born in the UK to my mom who is white British and my dad who is Chinese. Um I grew up in 
the northeast of England, which is really close to Scotland in a place called Durham. And my childhood was a happy childhood. I was working class. Um, my mum was a cleaner and my dad was an accountant and um, felt very loved. I have a brother and a sister. Um, and I, I had a really happy childhood. Um, I think the most significant thing that happened was actually my dad leaving my mum. My dad had an affair when I was only three and my dad left then. Um, but that didn't really cloud my childhood that much. But I know now that it definitely did change what I believed about myself. <laughs> it's definitely had a, my dad leaving has definitely had an impact on my sense of self-worth so um growing up with like you said your mom is white british and your dad is chinese in, in i know in the uk there's a lot more uh, it, it's kind of different from the us in that way so did you have any backlash or anything for being you know half white to, for all yeah. um, definitely definitely i was like literally myself and my sister and i think there was one other girl who wasn't white like in our whole small school so i used to get people asking me a lot where are you from where are you from or calling me like racist names which even now trigger me if i hear mm -hmm. like the word um and i think that i from from because of that i always felt like that i stood out but not in a good way mm -hmm. i always felt different um but actually, now that I'm older, I love that I'm different. I, I love people of mixed races. I think they're so unique and you get to learn from from so many different cultures, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You get the best of both, right? Yeah, yeah, but definitely in my childhood in Northern England in the 80s, I really stuck out as being different and looking different. So that must have, you know, with your brother and your sister, you must have really figured out a way to cope right being in situations because your mom probably had a very different kind of an experience because she blended with everybody whereas you guys stood out right yeah, yeah. so yeah. your coping mechanisms you must have kind of had a built-in coping mechanism every time somebody said something that triggers before it started you would be like you know figure out a way to get either get out of it or not draw attention to yourself right mm -hmm. so having all those experiences what what did you think about while growing up you know did you say okay i'm gonna get out of here or i'm gonna be this so what did you want to do and you know who are your role models i always wanted to be a journalist melanie that was i always loved to write and i always wanted to work for it was in we had newspapers back then everything right so i wanted to write for a newspaper but unfortunately, I always had this feeling that I wasn't special enough, that someone, a girl like me from a town like where I was from was never going to make it in London. So I didn't actually ever pursue that, which is, it's, I feel such sadness about that because if only I knew then what I know now, mm -hmm. that I always was special enough, then I could have had a whole different destiny, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. but the town that I lived in, no one did anything different. No one wanted to stand out. No one really was that ambitious. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think that, that that's a shame. 
that that my mum in, in her own way she'll always loved me unconditionally mm -hmm. she didn't care whether i was going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a cleaner like her she loved me regardless but i think part of that meant that she didn't actually empower me to believe that i could do anything more or anything more anything more ambitious mm -hmm. than just be like everyone else right so then so then what happened what did you do so i kind of followed the lead of my peers i went a lot of my friends went into work in the construction industry so i went to university got a, a degree went to work in the construction industry and i did it for nearly 20 years and it just although i was good at it and i enjoyed working on construction sites i love buildings it never ever lit me up and i know that i never really explored what made me feel good mm. i just looked to what everyone else was doing mm -hmm. to try and follow them i didn't have this sense of self just that i knew what was right for me mm -hmm. or everyone else knew better so uh the construction industry is a very male dominated is that do they have a lot of women in there no it's it's really male dominated so you were you were going in in some in in your own way you were standing out yeah yeah i was and 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 i had an amazing experience working in construction i actually really enjoy working with a lot of men when i've worked with in groups of women i feel like a lot of the time there's a lot of drama mm. whereas you don't get that when you're on a building site with men um, mm. and there's a lot of teamwork a lot of camaraderie and i i, I did enjoy that but yeah, I was definitely in the minority as a as a female. So what happened? So you you while you were in the construction industry, you did you meet your um, your spouse at that time and have kids, yeah. or was it much after? How did that happen? Me and my husband Chris, we actually met at work. He worked at the same company as me. Um, this was around maybe like fourteen years ago, and then we went on to have our kids like five years after that and we've got two daughters now and my hubby is still in the construction industry so you've traveled around um because of your work you've lived outside of the uk as well well we my hubby and i we had our daughters we bought our forever home like in suburban uh, durham and we just got this feeling melanie that we were bored mm. bored with living the same life just for a two week holiday every year. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to do that until we retired. So right. we decided that we wanted to live abroad for a little bit and make some different memories with our kids. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, myself and the family, we moved to Dubai. Nice. To work in the construction industry then. And it was an absolute blast. We loved it. Um, we were there for four and a half years and then moved back to the UK last year. Um, it was an amazing experience. Like it pushed us all out of our comfort zones, mm -hmm. but it was a fantastic opportunity. We, we really enjoyed it there. But, you so know, why did you decide to come back? I just felt like I got it out of my system. Mm. Yeah, I got it out of my system. And I didn't realize until I lived in Dubai how much I missed the seasons. Uh, have beautiful, like you guys in the States, like we have beautiful seasons and in Dubai, it's just 
hot all year round. Mm -hmm. And and I miss that. And and I never appreciated how much nature and being outside and breathing fresh air makes me feel good. It really, really has a positive impact on my well-being. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at home, I'm surrounded by greenery and trees, and it's just it's like a bit it's like a vitamin, isn't it? You go outside yeah. and it just perks you up. So, it's like yeah. It feeds the soul, doesn't it? And I, it's I had to go and live in the desert to realize that. I never yeah, yeah, that yeah. Sometimes you have to leave to appreciate what you had, right? Definitely, definitely. So you came back, and now you are a coach for mums. So how did that happen? So, so I, as I said before, I worked in the construction industry. I was good at my job. I had the salary. I had the job title, but I just wasn't lit up by it. Mm. And I realized that the favorite parts of my job were actually the bits I didn't get paid for, which were having my colleagues in my office and having me kind of unofficially coach them. And it was the same with friends and family. I loved asking people questions and getting them to think differently. And, um, I got, as I was getting closer to 40, I just realized that it was kind of now or never. Am I going to become a coach or am I going to stay in a job that doesn't light me up? So I took the plunge and I became a coach. I trained with the beautiful You Coaching Academy in Melbourne, in Australia. And it is the best thing that I ever did. I quit my job um, mid 2020 and I'm a full time life coach for mums. Um, that's awesome and I feel more alive and aligned with myself than I ever have before in my whole life and I love that I believe in what I do and I love that I get to make people feel awesome about themselves it's an incredible job I know you always think that there are so many out there so what am I going to do but when you when you turn and look around there's so many people who are watching you and they want to be like you and you're like wait I don't have to go very far. They're right here. All the people that I need to coach, right? So starting your own business, what was what was the hardest part and what was the easiest part? The hardest part was having that self-belief that I could actually do it. Because I, like I said before, I always thought that I was not special enough. I always thought that I would love to do that but that wouldn't be me. Why would people buy from me? Why would people want me? That was my default. And it wasn't until I actually had some therapy about four years ago and we realized that I had very little self-worth. I had a really loud inner critic and it wasn't until I decided to go on my own self-worth journey and I actually cultivated self-love for myself for the first time that I was able to actually turn the volume down on my inner critic who was telling me, you couldn't set up a business, you couldn't be a coach. I turned the volume down on that voice and I realized that it was actually possible for me and that it was my turn. Okay. So that was the hardest part, getting in, the, getting the mindset, getting the belief that I could actually do it. It took me years. I think it was like, I think I was thinking about becoming a coach for about seven years, Melanie, before I actually signed up to do a course. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought, you know what, if something's been written on my heart for seven years, then I should probably do it. Mm 
And how many more reminders do you need, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the easiest part has actually been the coaching. I was so nervous, you know, the first time that I did a live coaching call with my training partner. I was so nervous, but that is actually now the easiest part, actually coaching. But that's because I've been coaching my whole life. Yeah, when you think about it, you've probably been doing it without even realizing it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that is the easiest and, and most enjoyable part, I guess, when mm -hmm. I'm connecting with people. I come off my calls with my clients and I'm buzzing. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a positive experience, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I totally, I can totally relate. Absolutely. So looking back and knowing what you know now, what are some of the key financial lessons that um, you've learned when you started your business? Because I think we as women tend to discount or are afraid, you know, when it comes to money. And we have a very different relationship with money compared to most other, you know, most men or people who are not in business, right? So what were some of those mindset things that you had to change or things that you learned when it came to the finance part of it? I think that I had to believe that I was worthy of it. I was worthy of the investment. So to become a coach, you have to obviously invest in paying a program. And then coaches always tend to have a coach themselves. So you have to invest in a coach, like a business coach or a mindset coach. And it was just, I had to believe that I was actually worthy of it and that I would, it was an investment and that I would make an investment back based on the money that I put into my business. And I have already, like, I've only, I think I took my first paid client in March this year. And already I've paid back mm -hmm. everything that I invested into my business. I've got back. That's awesome. Incredible. You know, when you think about it, it is not even about the actual action. It is, everything is in the head, isn't it? Oh, it's all about believing whether you can actually do it or not, right? That makes all the big difference. And I think what doesn't help is that is this, we live in a society where we, as women, we are told to feel that we're not good enough in every way, shape or form. We are conditioned to believe that we, we are not good enough. And it wasn't until I stopped listening to that and now I actually rebel against that. It's not until you rebel against that and think it's my turn. I am good enough and I'm going to go for it that actually life becomes up level, doesn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, that's what I want for all my clients, for every woman out there. I want you to know that you are good enough and it is your time. So if you've got dreams and if you've got ambitions, go for it. So what are you telling your daughters? Your daughters are watching you as you grow from this person who used to be working and you know, and now is like following her own dream and coaching other women and you've got time, you set your own schedule, you decide whether you want to or not, don't want to, you know, do certain things. So what, what lessons or examples are you setting for your daughters? I just want them to know that they are special and that they can do whatever they want. And I'm trying to get them to rebel against this not enoughness. Because already, like, my girls are 9 and 11, and they're coming back and saying, I'm, the, I'm not pretty enough, and that breaks my heart. So a lot of the time, I'm kind of mini-coaching them 
to try and get them to realize it, that they are enough. And that just because someone said something mean, it's not actually about them. It's about mm. that person. Mm. So I do a lot of reframing with my girls. I try and I think I get quite annoying, but when <laughs> I kind of get them to try and see things from a different perspective. Okay. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I just want them to know that they can be whatever they want to be and to not be held back. Right. By right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to condition them at a very young age, because as we grow older, we come back to our childhood. We always come back to what we started. Right. So that's, that's so awesome that they get to see you and that you, you get to coach them now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've told my girls like that, this cultivating self-worth it's a journey you're not just gonna have a do a coaching program and have self-worth forever you've got to keep it topped up you've got to do things to keep it in good condition mm -hmm. you've got to maintain it and with my girls they see me doing affirmations they see me having cold showers they see me saying girls I need time on my own to feel good I let them know that I'm I'm on this journey too and that if they can come along as well, you don't just become happy and you're happy forever. You've got to work at it, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, since you started your coaching program, have you noticed a change in yourself and the people around you? Have you know people, You have you lost friends? Have you gained friends? How has it changed your reaction to people? I think I've definitely become less of a people pleaser like when I learned to turn the volume down on my inner critic I was became less of a people pleaser I took off this filter that made everything about me um, and life is so much easier now and since I became a coach and I've been coaching people it's just created this beautiful ripple effect so I've got friends now who were doing things that ne they never dreamed they would be able to do but because they've had conversations with me they're buying their dream house they're getting big promotions like they're coaching their colleagues it just has such a beautiful ripple effect like the world needs more coaches they need more people that have been coached because life would just be so much better oh i agree absolutely so when you're talking to other people who are watching you and, you know, other women who are like, wow, she's so lucky. Look at her. She's doing all these things. Or, you know, women who want to follow their dreams. What would you tell them? I would tell them that the first thing that you need to do is to learn how to turn the volume down on your inner critic. Because the inner critic that we all have is the thief of joy and dreams your inner critic won't let you do anything that it thinks is going to take up too much energy, that's going to be a challenge or is out of your comfort zone. It wants to keep you feeling like you're not good enough. And for so many women, that is the dialogue that we have in our heads all day long. And no wonder we are exhausted, we're, we're overwhelmed and we don't look after ourselves. It's because we believe that we're not worthy of it and we're not good enough. So my message is that if you want to be ambitious, if you want to have dreams, turn the volume down on your inner critic first. And it's so easy to do. It starts with just by having an awareness of it. Just be aware that that voice in your head isn't your true voice. 
It doesn't know what's best for you. It doesn't care if you're happy or fulfilled. It just wants to keep you small. Okay. So when you've turned the volume down on your inner critic, then you can cultivate the self-worth. And when you have self-worth, the world's your oyster. You know you are worthy of all of your dreams and all of the successes that you want. And that's where I take my clients. It's, that is it's awesome. an incredible job. It is. It is. And it's, and it's so amazing to see your clients when they transform themselves from where they used to be to where they are today. And you're like, oh, my God, that is so awesome. I was part of that journey. Look at them go now. That is so cool. Life changing, isn't it, Melanie? It is life changing. And I remember having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about the price of coaching and, and how for some people it's very expensive. And she kind of equated my hourly rate, even though I don't like to look at it as an hourly rate, but she compared it to how much you would pay for a manicure. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, you can't compare an hour of coaching to getting a manicure because a manicure lasts for like three weeks. But when you have coaching, you are learning valuable beliefs about yourself that will last your whole life. Exactly. An hour of coaching to an hour getting a manicure. It's it's just not even in the same league. No. And the the impact of the coaching lasts a lifetime. It's not like you have to go back and, you know, it like goes away. Once you have it, you have it. You just go to the next level from the next time you get coached, right? So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, ladies, if you need a mom coach, we got Leanne over here. So, Leanne, you want to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you? Do you have a website and Instagram? I do have a website. My website is leannesia.com and my Instagram is the Leannesia. And my name is spelled L E A N N E S I A. Lots of people say, Are you the singer, Sia? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, No, I wish I was, but that is not me. But it, <laughs> we have the same name <laughs> yeah we're we were we just work in different circles but we're just yeah. as famous <laughs> that's awesome well thank you so much Leanne for taking time and being on the podcast I'm really I'm so happy to have met you and talk to you and hear your story thank you very very much Oh, Melanie, uh, it's been a pleasure. I love what you're doing and I love connecting with all the women that are in your circle. It's just amazing. So thank you for being here. No, thank you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.